Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to Mystery Theater Old Time Radio, a podcast that takes you back to the golden age of radio, where the mysteries unfold in the shadows and the suspense keeps you on the edge of your seat. So grab your detective hats and get ready for another thrilling adventure. 10 p.m. B-U-L-O-V-A, Bulova Watch Time. For supreme accuracy, expert design, and outstanding value, choose a Bulova. Watch of a lifetime. W-E-A-F, New York. Rinso, R-I-N-S-O, Soapy Rich Rinso presents Boston Blackie, starring Chester Morris. your hats and coat? May I have my coat, miss? Uh, here's the check. Thank you. Number 503? Yes, a camel's hair coat. Oh, yes, I remember. It's right over here. Here you are, sir. Help you on with it? No, thanks. I'll carry it. Here you are, miss. Thank you, sir. Check here, please. Check your hats and coat. Oh, taxi! Taxi! What's your hurry, Blackie? <laughs> well, Faraday, my favorite cop. Don't be so happy to see me, Blackie. You're going with me. Oh, goody. <laughs> what are we celebrating tonight? Your birthday? No celebration for you, Blackie. I want you for the murder of Andrew Lawrence. Oh, you do, do you? Who's he? You know. The caretaker of the Devon estate. Now, look, Inspector, I don't know any caretakers, and I never even heard of the Devon estate. I, I, I know, Blackie. What about those stains on that coat you're carrying there? They look like blood. Stains? Yeah, stains. Hey, wait a minute. This isn't my coat. Oh, let me see. 
Well, now, what's this on the label? It says here, Boston Blackie. Yes, that's my label, all right, but this isn't my coat. Uh Uh-huh, I suppose somebody sewed that label in another coat. Well, that's not bad for you, Inspector. Could be. Well, all I know is you're going down to headquarters and the coat is going to the lab. And I hope those stains prove to be blood. Well, I hope you don't get your hope. Once again, Boston Blackie and Inspector Faraday have tangled. Boston Blackie, enemy to those who make him an enemy, friend to those who have no friend. Is there anything prettier these hot summer days than a nice-looking girl in a crisp, bright-colored cotton dress? Well, to us men, those dresses always look fresh and cool as peppermint ice cream. And it's almost as easy as snapping your fingers to keep those pretty printed washables bright and gay with Rinso helping out. Yes, indeed, those hard-working Rinso suds make dirt disappear in a jiffy, whether you're using a tub or a washing machine. Rinso's mighty easy on your pretty washable colors, too. They stay fresh and bright even after dozens of washings. So take a tip from Bob White for easier wash days and brighter, cleaner clothes. That's Rinso White and Rinso Bright for your colored clothes. If you value them, better use Rinso every time you wash them. And now, back to Chester Morris as Boston Blackie, who is in Inspector Faraday's office, waiting word on the laboratory tests of the blood stains found on the coat he was wearing. Blackie, for a smart guy, you get into more scrapes. Uh, look, Inspector, can't you think without pacing the floor? Uh, I've got a little proposition to make you. Oh, but how about the blood stains on the coat, Inspector? Remember, you wanted me for murder. Well, now, just in case those bloodstains turn out not to be bloodstains. Oh, you don't need to apologize, Inspector. Who's apologizing? Ah, <laughs> uh, what are you laughing at? Well, your shoelaces are untied. Yeah. Why don't you tie them? Me? Yes. <laughs> now, wait a minute. This is going to be fun. Yes. All right, you tie them, Blackie. What? Now, really, Inspector, yes, this you. is quite humiliating. I, I never fancied myself as a gentleman's gentleman. Gentleman's gentleman? Cut out the double talk and come on, tie my shoelaces, Maggie. Oh, oh, well, all right. <laughs> you know, I'm enjoying this. Boston Blackie, finally on his knees. Yes, but not begging, Inspector. <laughs> By the way, don't you ever get your shoes shined? What for? Oh, well, there you are. <laughs> I hope you realize it's a privilege to be tied by Boston Blackie. Wonderful. Here's the report, Inspector. Okay, let's have it. That'll be all, Matthews. Right, Inspector. Goodbye, Matthews. You ain't going anywhere, Blackie. What? Well, come on, Inspector. What's the verdict? I'll read it to you, Blackie. It says, quote, Stains taken from the coat of Boston Blackie analyzed. Yes. Tests show them to be human blood matching that of Andrew Lawrence, murdered caretaker of Devon Estate. Signed, Murphy Police Laboratory, unquote. Well, that's it, Blackie. I'm locking you up right now. Oh. And I'm not taking any chances on you getting out of here first. Hold out your hands. Oh, now, Inspector, cuffs for me? Yeah. Oh, you've got a very bad memory. Okay, maybe you can get out of handcuffs, but my gun doesn't miss. What, a gun again, Inspector? Again. Say, look, why don't you try a bow and arrow for a change? All right, let's get going. And just to make sure, I'm going to escort you personally to your cell. That'll be nice. All right, down the hall, and don't try anything funny. Well, will you sit with me a while and hold my hand? Oh, come on. I'm sorry I had to tie your shoelaces together, Faraday. And thanks for the gun. (laughs) You know, you look very funny. Generally, you're only flat on your feet. But now you're flat on your face. (laughs) 
Got the answer yet, Blanky? Not yet, Shorty. Hello? Oh, oh, hello. Savoy Cafe? Yes. This is the manager speaking. Well, my name is Jones. Yes? My niece works in your check room. I just arrived in town, and I'd like to talk to her, please. You mean Marion Macy? Yes. Well, she's not here. I'm sorry. She's gone home. Had a headache, she said. Left here about an hour ago. Oh, she did. Too bad. Uh, by the way, could you give me her address? Why, yes. The Lincoln Apartments. The Lincoln, huh? Well, thank you very much. Goodbye. You know, I still can't figure out, Blackie, why that hat check girl would take the label out of your coat and then sew it in another one. Well, she was probably following orders. That's what we're going to find out. Uh, we're going to leave this hideout, Blackie? Yes. We're going to the Lincoln Apartments. <laughs> Here's the apartment, Shorty. That's funny. Probably asleep. But I've got to talk to her. Can you can you open that door, boss? Are you kidding? I've got it, Shorty. There it is. Come on. I'm getting a creepy feeling, boss, like I always do. Oh, before. Shorty, will you relax? Hey, what's this? What? Holy mackerel, the dame. Boss, that feeling of mine was right. Yes, it's the check room girl, all right, Shorty. She's dead. Come on over here and take a look. Oh, no, no, no. I'll take your word for it. Poor kid. Stabbed to death. Somebody's playing for keeps, Shorty. Somebody wanted to make sure I didn't find out who told her to switch coats. If Faraday walks in now, he'll try to pin us on you, sure. Come on, we better get out of here. Come on, boy. Yeah, that's Let's... right. There's nothing around here will help us. Shorty. Yeah? That caretaker was murdered out at the Devon estate. Yeah. So that's where I'm going. <laughs> I beg your pardon, miss. I, I didn't see you. What I was... are you doing here on my grounds? Well, this is the Devon estate, isn't it? Yes, and you're trespassing. Well, I hope that means looking for a job, because that's what I'm doing. It doesn't. And even if it did, it wouldn't matter. There's no job open here. Well, you know, I'm a pretty handy fellow. I can do a lot of things. I'm I... really not interested. There's a policeman on the grounds. If you don't leave immediately, I'll call him and have you thrown off. Oh, please don't do that. I understood there was a job open here, a, a caretaker's job. Your caretaker was... Uh... Was murdered. Yes, he was. Now, please leave. I already have a new caretaker. Jerry? Uh, yes, Miss Morrison. Coming. <laughs> Miss Morrison, huh? Awful pretty name. Over here, Jerry. Will you go now, please, Mr... Oh, I'm sorry, Miss Morrison. My name is Jones. John J. Jones. I'm a detective. Oh, please don't give me away. Oh, here I am, Miss Morrison. Oh, I, uh... I, I don't need you, Jerry. I, I just wanted to know you were around. Oh, okay, ma'am. If you want me, just sing out. Well... <laughs> Where did you get him? I hired him a little while ago. So you're a detective, Mr. Jones. Have you credentials? Well, uh, you see, I never carry them when I'm on a case. Things can happen, you know. That's what I'm afraid of. Oh, Miss Morrison, please believe me. Well, I believe you, but I'll never know why. <laughs> Thanks. The house is up this way. What can I tell you that might help you, Mr. Jones? Well, uh, for one thing, I'm puzzled. Now, your name is Morrison, and this is the Devon Estate. Well, I bought it six months ago. Oh. It was formerly owned by a man named John Devon. And when he died, this place was sold for taxes. I see. Well, why are you still living here, Miss Morrison? I mean, aren't you a little frightened after what happened? Yes. Yes, I am a little. But where could I go? Besides, I'm anxious to know the answer to a lot of things. For instance? Well, right after I bought this estate... Strange things began to happen. 
One morning, the chimney was torn apart. A few days later, I found the cellar ransacked. Then one night, the whole living room was turned upside down. I see. Well, where was your old caretaker during all this? He was down the road, sleeping in his own cottage. Oh. But after the living room was ransacked, he slept in the house on a couch. That is, until last night. Or rather, early this morning, when we found him murdered. Here we are. Oh. Please come in. Thank you. You're pretty calm about all this, Miss Morrison. It, uh, it must be rather annoying. It's more than annoying. My nerves are beginning to jump. Yes, I'm sure. Anything else you can tell me that might help? Well, possibly. I've had two offers to sell recently. The agent who negotiated the sale of this house made me an offer the day before yesterday to buy it back. Oh, and what's the agent's name? Arthur Moran. I see. Go on. Well, when I refused, he said his client, in any case, would like to buy the gun collection that was here when I took possession. Oh. Well, are you interested in guns? Yes, and it's a wonderful collection. It came with the house. Well, it's obvious somebody is looking for something in this house. When he couldn't find it, he wanted to buy the house. When he couldn't do that, he wanted to buy your gun collection. And, of course, he was looking for... The gun collection. I'll bet your caretaker surprised him while he was searching for it. Uh, how long had the caretaker been here? A long time. I sort of inherited him with the place. I see. You mentioned there was a policeman on the grounds. Where is he? Well, he's around somewhere. He's staying with Jerry in the caretaker's cottage. Uh, Miss Morrison, could you arrange for the policeman and your new caretaker to sleep downstairs here? And for me to take over the cottage for the night? Certainly, I can do that. Oh, fine. And can you reach me in a hurry if you need me? Yes. There's an extension phone between here and the caretaker's place. Good. I'll call Jerry and tell him he's sleeping down here tonight. Thanks. Oh, uh, Miss Morrison, uh, what do your best friends call you? Uh, Polly. Good night, Polly. <laughs> you see, I'm one of your best friends. Hey, what's this? Hey, wait, Jerry. Jerry, I'll have you untied in a minute. Oh, even my Aunt Hattie couldn't talk with that gag on. I better take it off. There. There. Now, what happened? I I don't know. I I went to sleep last night on the couch here, and, and during the night, somebody tapped me on the bean. And when I woke up a little while ago, I was I was tied up and, and gagged. Yeah. Oh, there. You're not tied up anymore. Now, where's the cop that was with you? I don't know. Uh-oh. There he is, over in the corner. He's tied up, too. Get him loose, Jerry. Oh, take a look at this place. It's a mess. Everything's turned upside down. Well, never mind that. I want to find out about Miss Morrison. Polly. 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 Polly, what's happened? Wake up, Polly. Wake up. What? Get up. Come on now. Up. That's a girl. Come on, now. Now, walk around the room with me. Here, put your arm on my shoulder. That's right. Now, tell me what happened. Well, I don't know. You've been drugged, Polly. Now, come on, try and think. I don't know. I'm tired. I want to lie down again. Now, look, Polly, you've got to keep walking. Come on. We'll go downstairs, and then you'll feel better in a minute. Hey! Hey, you upstairs. Yes, what is it? Miss Morrison Okay. Yes, how's the policeman? Oh, he's hurt pretty bad. I'm taking him to the doctor's down the road. Okay, Jerry. I'll see you when you get back. Now, Polly, come on. Walk. Come on now, down the stairs. That's right. I... I'm beginning to remember now. Good. 
I put a glass of milk on my night table. And then I went downstairs for a book. When I came back, I drank the milk. And then I got terribly drowsy. Mm. Well, that explains the drug. But you're getting over it all right. What's happened down here? Well, the whole place has turned inside out. Well, I don't know what happened yet. I can't stand this any longer. I can't. Oh, now, Polly, take it easy, please. Here, sit down for a minute. Come on. There, that's better. Well, now, isn't that a pretty picture? Well, Inspector Faraday. Yes, Inspector Faraday. So I caught up with you again, eh, Blackie? Blackie? Certainly, Miss Morrison. Boston Blackie. You've heard of him. But he said his name was Jones, that he was a detective. I can tell you why, Polly, if you'll only give me a chance. Not a chance, Blackie. I figured you'd come up here after we found the hat check girl murdered. You've got a killing complex lately. Faraday, will you take it easy? I'm really getting close to the murder. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Yeah, me too. I'm practically standing in front of him. Check gun drop on the floor, Faraday. Drop it. Hey, who, who are you? Let the gun go or I'll let a bullet go, copper. Come on. Uh, that's being smart. Hey, Danny, get Blackie's rod. Step on it. Okay, Eddie. All right, what is all this fuss about Blackie? Hero stuff? You're going to knock out these two guys and show off for the gal here? Well, I'd like to, Faraday. Only a bullet moves faster than I can. <laughs> hey, you mugs. I don't mean to be inquisitive, but uh, what's all this about? You'll know soon enough. How about it, Johnny? I got Blackie's rod and the inspectors. Okay. Put the straight jackets on him, Danny. Yeah. <laughs> Gee, I didn't think we'd get the inspector, too. You better go call the boss. Yeah, he said to follow orders to the letter. Where's the phone, lady? Well, I... Yeah, you better tell him, Polly. Well, it's just outside the door. Thanks, lady. Keep them all under the gun muzzle, Danny. Okay. Watch that Blackie, especially. Yeah. I'll be right back. And watch that Blackie especially. What is the guy, a gunman or a press agent? <laughs> what a build-up he's giving you, Blackie. Well, after all, I haven't established a reputation for nothing. <laughs> Even you appreciate me sometimes, uh, Faraday. Uh, okay, Danny. I talked to the boss. Stick the straitjackets on him. What size straitjacket you take, Blackie? I always have my straitjackets made to order. Yeah, after we get through searching the house, we'll stick their feet in concrete and toss them in the river. Feet in concrete? Now, you wouldn't dare to do that. Oh, don't uh, worry, Faraday. At least we won't get our feet wet. Very funny, Blackie. Very funny. Don't do it the hard way, ladies. Take it easy. What am I talking about? Why, dishwashing, of course. And the way to take it easy is to let Soapy Rich Rinso take over. Because those lively, hard-working Rinso suds get right after every little bit of clinging grease and all those sticky food particles and chase them away quick as a wink. Just try it. And by all means, have Rinso handy for wash day. This hot weather, you certainly don't want to knock yourself out doing your wash the hard way either. 
Well, remember, Rinso not only makes wash day a cinch, it helps you turn out a wash you're really proud of. I'll bet you'll be singing your way through wash day like this. Rinso, white, rinso, white, happy little wash day song. Rinso, white, rinso, white, birdies sing it all day long. Your fine feather friend has a message to send, so listen, you can't go wrong. Rinso, white, rinso, white, happy little wash day song. So get rinso tomorrow. And now, back to Chester Morris as Boston Blackie. <laughs> Boston Blackie, Polly Morrison, and Inspector Faraday have been put in straitjackets by two thugs after Blackie has been accused of the murder of the caretaker of the Devon estate. One of the gunmen is on guard while the other is searching the Devon house. What are you twisting around for, Blackie? <laughs> straitjackets were made to hold people. Yes, handy little things, aren't they? Yeah. Now, here you can get out of ropes and handcuffs and things. Oh. Yeah, well, why don't you try to get out of that canvas coat you're wearing? You're due to get a bath, you know. <laughs> All three of you. That's the boss's orders. Well, that's charming. Uh, by the way, Danny, who is the boss? What's his name? Uh, didn't he give you his card? No. Well, I guess he must have forgot. Huh? <laughs> Gee, you look funny down there lying on the floor. You know, if I felt like it, I could step all over you. How'd you like to have your face stepped on, Blackie? Like this. Hey, let go of my feet. I don't want to step on anybody, Stooge. This will make sure you stay on the floor till I leave. Well, how in the world did you get out of that straitjacket, Blackie? Never mind that. Get us out of out of ours. How did you get out, Blackie? Well, it's simple. I had my pocket knife in my hand, and while they were putting this jacket on me, I, well, I just sliced right through the canvas. Hey, hurry up, Blackie. That other guy will be back in a minute. I'll let you out, Inspector, if you'll give me a ten-minute start after I do. What for? Well, I think I can find the man responsible for the two murders, but I've got to have time to do it. Mm-hmm. Now, I want ten minutes, Faraday. Come on, what about it? Ten minutes? Okay, you've got it. Thanks. Polly. Yes, Blackie? Uh, tell me, what was the agent's name again? You know, the one who sold you the house and later wanted to buy your gun collection for a client. Arthur Moran. Why? Arthur Moran, huh? Okay. He's due for a phone call. Hello? Mr. Moran? Yes? This is John J. Jones. I'm working with the police department, and I'd like some information. Yes? Uh, who instructed you to try to buy the Devon estate back, and who wanted to get the gun collection? A client of mine in South America. I see. Well, what's his name? Parker Adams. Why, uh, what's this all about? Oh, just checking, Mr. Moran. Who is Adams? Well, uh, he was involved in the scrape here five years ago and went to South America to live. Well, why did he want to buy the Devon estate and the gun collection? Well, I haven't the slightest idea. All I know is that he sent a check every week to Mr. Devon from Brazil. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I believe he owned a coffee plantation or something. Well, thank you, Mr. Moran. That's all I wanted to know. Did, uh, did you get all that dope I wanted, Shorty? Yeah, yeah, sure, boss. It was a cinch. Look, I go into the files at the Daily Globe, and I pulled out this stuff about this uh, Parker Adams. <laughs> no trouble at all. And say, no wonder this guy Adams had to go to South America. Just put your peepers on this clipping, will you? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, I see what you mean. Come on, Shorty. We're going up to the Devon Estate. 
Polly. What? Who is it? It's me, Polly. Blackie. I'm over here in the bushes. Is the coast clear? Well, there, there are two policemen in the house and one outside. Okay. Polly, I think I found out something. I know who the murderer is, and I know why he's ransacking your house. But, Blackie, how did you find that out? Well, I checked the newspaper files on a man named Parker Adams, who asked Moran to buy this house from you and then wanted to buy your gun collection. He's in South America now, but he was a suspect in a murder case five years ago. But what has that to do with what's happened at my house? Well, you see, this Adams wasn't convicted because the police couldn't prove him guilty. They couldn't find the gun. And you think the gun is in my house? Yes. And the Devon was blackmailing Adams with it. Polly, I've got to get by those two policemen and get into the house and find that gun. But, Blackie, how? Oh, let's see. I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll climb that tree by your window and then drop to the first floor roof. Yes, I know, but the policeman outside... Yeah, I know. I'll throw a rock in the pool. That'll keep him busy while I get in the house. Uh, where is the gun collection, Polly? In the library. Fine. I'll meet you there. Blackie, be careful. Oh, sure. Well, here goes. Is that you, Blackie? Yes, Polly. Oh, I'm so glad. Where's the library? Over here. The gun collection's in this room. Come in, Blackie. Good. Now, we've got to work fast. Now, where are they? In a box in this desk. I'll show them to you. There's a drawer here, but you'd never find it unless you knew it was there. Here they are. Take a look at them. Ooh. Say, this is a fine collection, Polly. All old-timers, too. You know, I was pretty sure that one of them was the gun that Parker Adams killed a man with five years ago. But I can see now that I was wrong. But you said you knew who the murderer was. Oh, sure I do. And I know why he did it, but I can't prove it. Uh, I'm just a dummy. I'm... Dummy. Hey, wait a minute. That gives me an idea. Look at this. This isn't a real gun at all. What? No. No, it's a dummy. It's hollow. Oh, and look what's inside. A Colt 25 pistol. Why, this must be the one Parker Adams used. And we can easily prove that by the serial number on it. Polly? Polly, I think this is our ace in the hole. You don't mind if I trump that ace, do you, Blackie? I'll take that gun. Jerry! I'm not surprised, Polly. I had a pretty good idea it was this fellow who was in back of these murders. No, you did, eh? Smart guy, huh? How did you know? Well, when one of your thugs went to call the boss before he put us in straitjackets, he, uh, he just casually picked up the telephone and didn't bother to dial. Hmm. There's a direct connection between the house and the caretaker's cottage, and that's where you were, Jerry. You were the boss. You only took this job so you could search for this gun. Hmm, nice figuring, pal. Well, as long as compliments are being handed out, that was pretty clever of you to get yourself tied up here this morning. But not clever enough. <laughs> Why, any good boy scout could tell you tied yourself up, Mr. Parker Adams. Adams? Yes. Hmm. He went down to South America and planted somebody to take his phone calls and pretend to be him. It was simple, but effective. Listen, I've spent a lot of time and money trying to get that gun back, Blackie. Yes, and killed two people trying. And now it's going to be four. And, Miss Morrison, don't keep looking over my shoulder for your cops. My boys have taken care of them. Okay, Blackie, give me the gun. Now, just a minute. Uh, let me get this straight. Uh, the caretaker recognized you when you were ransacking the house, and you had to kill it, right? Well? And you had to get rid of the bloodstained camel's hair coat you were wearing. And then after you had the hat-check girls switch coats and sew in my own label... You had to kill her to keep her mouth shut. Oh, she didn't pick your coat on purpose. It could have been any camel's hair coat. Oh, well, I know the rest. Devin was blackmailing you because he, he had this gun. 
When you found out he died, you tried to buy this house, but Miss Morrison got it first. So you came to the States and began operations to get the only evidence that could convict you of murder. Oh, you've said enough. You're stalling. Hey, Eddie. Eddie! Yeah, boss. Oh, you got these two, huh? Get the gun Blackie's got in his hand, Eddie. It's not loaded. Okay, boss. Come on, Blackie, give. Sure. Here. Oh. Holly, she's fainting, boss. Catch her. Hey, stand up. Stop leaning on me. Get off of me, will you? I'll get her, boss. Go to sleep, Eddie. Hey, you let go of my hand, will I'm you? I'm holding Gary's gun hand, Blackie. Hurry. You can let go now. Oh. Oh, thanks, Polly. You know, that was mighty nice fainting. Uh, thank you, Blackie, but... I think I feel a real one coming on. Oh, you're wonderful. Do you want to be more wonderful? How? Call Faraday and tell him what you've heard. That will be enough to clear me. Of course I will. Oh. Oh. What's the matter, Blackie? Hold me. Hold me. I think I'm going to faint. Faint? A big, strong man like you? Well, it seems to be the only way I can get your arms around me. Austin Blackie will be back in just a moment with an interesting preview of next week's program. Now, uh, you've heard about the language of music, ladies. Do you know what this means? That's right, Rinseau White. And it means the cleanest, freshest, whitest wash you could ask to see. But you can't get clothes that clean with lazy, old-fashioned soaps. You need a hard-working, lively soap like Rinseau. Because Rinseau actually gets out more dirt. Why, Rinso just soaks clothes clean, often in as little as ten minutes. And then a few quick finger rubs on extra dirty places, and there's your Rinso White Rinso Bright Wash. Yes, for a wash that you'll be really proud to hang up on your line, get Soapy Rich Rinso. And now, a brief glimpse of next week's adventure. Hello? Hello. Say, uh, I'm supposed to meet a young lady in your lobby there, and I've been delayed. Would, uh, would you mind having a page, please? Why, sure, sure. What's the young lady's name? Her name is Alice Manletter. Miss Manletter? That's right. Why, she left here just a minute ago. She met someone she was expecting and left with him. Well, that's impossible. Miss Manletter didn't know a soul in New York. Oh, I wouldn't know about that, but she told me she had an appointment with a Mr. Boston Blackie. And that's the man she left here with. Well, but that can't be possible. And why not? Because I'm Boston Blackie. We'd like to take a moment here to congratulate the women of the United States Navy, the Waves, who are presently celebrating two years of service to their country. In two years, approximately 70,000 of America's finest young women have volunteered for the most important jobs of their lives, serving in the Navy. Waves work hard at important war tasks, but they keep their individuality, have plenty of fun and enjoyment with good companions, and have great pride and satisfaction for a job well done. If you'd like to help get this war over and bring your loved one home sooner, here's your chance. Join the Waves. <laughs> Be sure to listen at this same time next week for another exciting adventure with Boston Blackie. You can see Chester Morris as Boston Blackie on the screen at your favorite movie theater. Boston Blackie's latest Columbia picture is One Mysterious Night, soon to be released. Richard Lane appears as Inspector Faraday, music by Charles Cornell. 
This is Harlow Wilcox saying goodnight for Boston Blackie, brought to you by the makers of Rinso, the soap that gets clothes. Summertime means warm weather, and that means more perspiration. Use Life Boy in your daily bath or shower to protect yourself. You'll love its rich, purifying lather. Remember, too, that of seven leading brands, Life Boy gives you the most soap for your money. And besides, it's the only soap especially made to stop... This is the National Broadcasting Company. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress. Instead of perfection, you don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. System takes pleasure in bringing you the 12th in a series of weekly broadcasts featuring Orson Welles and the Mercury Theater on the air. Tonight, Broadway and Radio, the celebrated theatrical producing company, brings to life the best-loved character in detective fiction, the immortal Sherlock Holmes. The play is Orson Welles' own adaptation for radio of William Gillette's enduring melodrama based on the famous stories by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Before the performance begins... Here is the director of the Mercury Theater, the star and producer of these unique broadcasts, Orson Welles. Good evening. Well, tonight it's back to Baker Street, back to that unlikely London of the 19th century where high adventure awaits all who would seek it in a handsome cab or under a gas lamp in an Inverness cape. But tonight we pay tribute to the most wonderful member of that most wonderful world, a gentleman who never lived and who will never die. There are only a few of them, these permanent profiles, everlasting silhouettes on the edge of the world, 
Interspersed the little hunchback with a slapstick whose hooked nose is shaped like his cap. There is now and always will be the penguin-footed hobo in the derby in the back. The small boy with the wooden head. The long, rusty knight on horseback. And the fat knight who could only procure a charge on foot. There is also the tall gentleman with the hawk's face. And the underslung pipe. And the fore-and-aft cap. We'd know them anywhere and call them easily by name. Punch and the Charlie. Captain McCarthy. Keelty, Sir John, and Sherlock Holmes. Now, irrelevant as this may seem, we at the Mercury Theatre are very much occupied with the professional for a revival of a fine old American part. A lot of people remember it's only for its lovely fact, which is too much Johnson. Its author was William Gillette, which reminded us, as it reminds you, of Sherlock Holmes. As everybody knows, that celebrated American inventor of underacting lent his considerable gifts as a playwright to the indestructible legend of the Conan Doyle detective and produced the play which is as much a part of the Holmes literature as any of Sir Arthur's own romances and, as nobody will ever forget, he gave his face to him. For William Gillette was the aquiline and actual embodiment of Holmes himself. It's too little to say that William Gillette resembled Sherlock Holmes. Sherlock Holmes looks exactly like William Gillette. Sounds like him, too, we're afraid, and hope devoutly that the Mercury Theater and the radio will take none of the glamour from the beloved fable of Baker Street, from the pipe and the violin and the hideous purple dressing gown, from the needle and the cigar on the window ledge, and the dry, final, famous lines... Elementary, my dear Watson. Elementary. The mere child's play of deduction. My name is Watson. I am a doctor. It was in the year 1880 that Holmes and I were introduced by a mutual acquaintance. At the time, we were both looking for a lodging that would suit our moderate means. This we found on the second floor of a house at 221B Baker Street. And it was during the years that we occupied these chambers together that Holmes established his unique international reputation as a consulting detective. During that time, I was privileged to be his daily companion. And I have done my modest share in giving to the world an account of some of his most famous cases. Most famous of these are the ones of which I have written under the names of the Speckled Band, Sign of Thor, Howl of the Baskervilles, and the Study in Scarlet. They represent, however, only a minute fraction of the 643 cases Holmes successfully solved during the years that we shared the lodgings in Baker Street. Other cases I hope one day to give to the world include the Tarleton murders, the sudden death of Cardinal Tosca, the adventure of Ricoletti, of the club foot, and his abominable wife. The case of Mrs. Ferrantosh, the circus bell. And the case of the royal family of Scandinavia. Each illustrate in their own way the remarkable genius of my friend, Sherlock Holmes. Since my marriage three years ago, Holmes has continued to occupy the Baker Street lodgings by himself. And here almost every afternoon when my work in the office is finished, I'm in the habit of calling on him. The sitting room as you go in is exactly as it has been for the past 13 years. 
The worn bearskin rug. The huge sofa, covered with faded chintz. The mantelpiece cluttered with miscellaneous objects. Unanswered letters and piles of loose tobacco. On one side of the fireplace, in a deep armchair, his pipe curling forth slow wreaths of acrid tobacco, draped in his hideous purple dressing gown, sits Sherlock Holmes with his violin under his chin. My dear, how are you, Holmes? I'm delighted to see you. Perfectly delighted. Upon my word, I am. But uh, I'm sorry to observe that your wife has left. <laughs> she has gone on a little visit. But how did you know? How did I? Well, I like that. How do I know anything? How do I know you've been getting yourself very wet lately? That you're an extremely careless servant girl, and you've moved your dressing table to the other side of the room, Holmes. If you had lived a few centuries ago, they'd have burned you alive. Hmm. Such a conflagration would have saved me a great deal of trouble and expense. Tell me, now, how did you know all that? Hmm. Too simple to talk about. Scratches and clumsy cuts, my dear fellow. On the inner side of your shoe there, just where the firelight strikes it. Scratches, cuts. Somebody scraped away crusted mud and did it badly, badly. Scraped the shoe along with it. There's your wet foot, my dear Watson, and your careless servant girl all on one shoe. Face badly shaved on the right side, always used to be on the left. Light must come from the other side. Couldn't very well move your window. Must move the dressing table. <laughs> of course. But how the deuce did you know my wife was away? Well, where the deuce is your second waistcoat button, Watson? Hmm. What the deuce is yesterday's button here doing in today's lapel? And why the deuce do you wear the expression <laughs> of it? Oh, marvelous. Elementary, my dear fellow, elementary. The child's fair deduction. I'm only doing it for your amusement before we pass on to more serious matters. Oh, what is it now, though? Watson, my dear fellow... The enthusiasm which has prompted you to chronicle, and if you will excuse my saying so, somewhat to embellish my little uh, adventures, you occasionally seem fit to introduce a certain element of romance which struck me as being uh, just a trifle out of place. Something like working an elopement into the fifth proposition of Euclid. I uh, merely refer to this in case you should see fit at some future time to uh, chronicle a case on which I'm about to embark. The strange case of Professor Robert Moriarty. Moriarty? I don't remember ever having heard of the fellow. No, Watson, you haven't. It's precisely this quality of invisibility that makes of Professor Moriarty the Napoleon of crime. Sitting motionless like an ugly, venomous spider in the center of his web. But that web having a thousand radiations and the spider knowing every quiver of every one of them. And within 48 hours, I'll have the lines drawn so tightly around him that he can't move. And arrest him and his entire gang. My Holmes, this is a very dangerous... My dear sir, it's perfectly delightful. My whole life is spent in a series of frantic endeavors to escape from the dreary commonplaces of existence. For a brief period, I escaped. Please congratulate me. The day before yesterday, I received in this room the visit of a certain foreign nobleman who has recently inherited a very considerable title and who was about to be married. Seems that this titled gentleman was so indiscreet as to fall in love with a young English lady by the name of Faulkner... Uh, socially as inferior, and to make her a promise of marriage. Uh, later, at his family's insistence, the thing was broken yes. shortly after with a broken heart, leaving behind a sister. Also, considerable evidence in the form of letters, photographs, and jewelry with inscriptions. These the sister kept. These, together with the sister, are now being held in a house in St. John's Wood by a pair of blackmailers who go by the name of Checkwood. So far as you see, my dear Watson, a fairly ordinary case of blackmail hardly worth my attention. Last night, on my inspection, a certain element revealed itself which renders the case far more important than I had expected. And that element was Professor Moriarty. Helen? 
Mr. Holmes. Yes, Delay, what is it? Gentlemen, to see you by the name of Foreman. Come in, Delay. Come in. Yes, Mr. Holmes. Come in, Mr. Foreman. Good evening, Foreman. Good evening, Mr. Holmes. Uh, Watson, this is Inspector Foreman. Just the day before yesterday, he occupied the position of butler under the name of Judson in the home of Mr. and Mrs. Chetwood, uh, blackmailers of St. John's Wood. Well, Foreman, any news? Yes, sir. This morning, a little after nine, Chetwood and his wife drove away in a four-wheeler. They returned about eleven. Bassett was with them. You know him, though. Mm, yes. When I last had the occasion to meet Mr. Bassett, he about two years for safe-cracking. Go on, Foreman. Well, they took this man Bassett into the library. I got a look at him from the outside. And there he was opening up the safe where they'd been keeping the letters. Go on. In the end, when they got the safe open, it was empty. Hmm. The letters were gone. It seems like the Faulkner girl got them back somehow. That got them pretty excited. Bassett went out to send a telegram. Have you got a copy of it? Yes, yes. Here it is, sir. In code. Hmm. Moriarty. I thought so, Watson. This case is taking the most promising turn. Foreman, you return at once to the house at St. John's Wood. In ten minutes, I shall be there myself. If I remember correctly, the kitchen is immediately below the drawing room. Yes. When I knock over a chair in the drawing room, you overturn a lamp in the kitchen, scatter smoke balls, and give an alarm of fire. All other instructions remain unchanged. Very good, sir. All right, Foreman. Yes, Mr. Holmes. Well, my dear Watson, it seems to look like a most interesting evening. Mr. Chetwood, I had myself announced by the butler on my way up. I didn't. Oh, very well. Oh, here he is. Yes, Captain. It's talking begs Mr. Holmes to excuse her. She is not well enough to see anyone this evening. Now, will you please hand this card to Miss Foster and say that I... I beg your pardon, Mr. Holmes, but it's quite useless, really. Oh, I'm so sorry to hear it. Yes, Miss Faulkner is, I regret to say, quite an invalid. She is unable to see anyone. Her health is so poor. Uh, has it ever occurred to you, Mr. Chetwood, that she might be confined to the house too much? How does that concern you? It uh, doesn't. I simply make the suggestion. I'd like to think it over. Tell about his name. Judson, sir. Uh, very well, Judson. Go on, take my card up. Very good, sir. <laughs> this is really too good. Why, of course, you can take up your card or your note or whatever it is that you wish it so much. I was only trying to save you the trouble. Yeah, thanks. Hardly any trouble at all, Senator Khan. You know, Mr. Holmes, you interest me very much. Oh, really? On my word, yes. We've all heard of your wonderful methods, the astonishing manner in which you gain information from the most trifling details. Now, I dare say, in this brief moment or two, you've discovered any number of things about me. Uh, nothing of consequence, Mr. Chetwood. I hardly more than ask myself why you were so distressed to see me at this particular moment and what there can possibly be about the safe in the lower part of that desk to cause you such painful anxiety. Yes, very good. Very good indeed. If those things were only true now, I'd be wonderfully impressed. It would be absolutely remarkable. Excuse me, sir. Uh, Justin, a message for you, Mr. Chetwood. You'll excuse me, I trust. It's from... Uh, Miss Faulkner. Yeah, really. She begs to be allowed to see you, Mr. Holmes. She absolutely implores it. Well, I suppose I shall have to give way. Judson, ask Miss Faulkner to come down to the drawing room. Say that Mr. Holmes is waiting to see her. Very good, sir. 
quite remarkable upon my soul. May I ask, if it's not an impertinent question, what message you sent up that could so have aroused Miss Faulkner's desire to come down? Uh, merely if she wasn't down here in five minutes, I'd go up. Oh, that was it. Quite so. And unless I'm greatly mistaken, I hear the young lady on the stairs. In which case, she has a minute and a half to spare. Alice, it is Miss Faulkner. Let me introduce Mr. Sherlock Holmes. Mr. Holmes. Ah, uh, Miss Faulkner. I'm really most charmed to meet you. Although it does look as if you've made me come down in spite of myself, doesn't it? I thank you very much indeed for consenting to see me, Miss Faulkner, but regret to observe that you were put to the trouble of making such a very rapid change of dress. Oh, yes. I did hurry a trifle, I confess. Mr. Holmes is quite living up to his reputation, isn't he, Freddie? Come in. Yes, ma'am. What are you doing here, Dodson? I beg pardon, ma'am. I was answering the bell. What bell? The drawing room bell, sir. What do you mean, you blockhead? No one rang the bell. I'm quite sure it was rung, sir. Well, I tell you, it did not ring. Your butler is right, Mr. Chetwood. The bell did ring. How do you know? I rang it. What do you want? I want to send my card to the real Miss Faulkner. The real? I said the real Miss Faulkner. Judson. Yes, sir? Home. What right have you to ring for servants and give orders in my house? What right have you to prevent my cards from reaching their destination? How does it happen that you and this woman are resorting to trickery and deceit to prevent me from seeing Alice Faulkner? Through some trifling oversight, Judson, neither of the cards I handed to him has been delivered. Kindly see that this error does not occur again. My orders? Ah, you have orders. I can't say, sir. You are told not to deliver my card. What business is it of yours, I'd like to know? I shall satisfy your curiosity on that point in a very short time, Mr. Chetwood. Yes. And you'll find out in a very short time that it isn't safe to meddle with me. It wouldn't be any trouble at all for me to throw you out into the street. Uh, possibly not, but trouble would swiftly follow such an experiment on your part. A cursed lucky thing for you, I'm not armed. Yes, well, Miss Faulkner comes down, you go and arm yourself. Arm myself? I'll call the police. What more? I'll do it now. Oh, no, you will not do it now. You will remain where you are until the lady I came here to see has entered this room. What makes you so sure of that? Because you will prefer to avoid an investigation of your suspicious conduct, Mr. James Larrabee. That is the name under which you are known to Scotland Yard, I believe, Mr. Chetwood. This lady here is your wife. See you, Judson. You will either deliver that card to Miss Faulkner at once or sleep in the police station tonight. That's of small consequence to me, which you do. Shall I? Shall I go, sir? Go on. Take up the card. It makes no difference to me. Uh, a short time since, Larrabee, you displayed an acute anxiety to leave the room. Pray do not let me detain you or your wife any longer. Think you prefer to remain while I talk to Miss Faulkner? We do, Mr. Holmes. Ah, last, Miss Faulkner. Is it Mr. Holmes? Yes. Do you wish to see me? Very much indeed, Miss Faulkner, but I'm sorry to see that you are far from well. Oh, no, I... No? Beg your pardon. What does this mark mean? Oh, nothing. Nothing? No. And the mark here on your neck, plainly showing the clutch of a man's fingers, does that mean nothing also? Occurs to me that I should like to have an explanation of this. Possibly you can furnish one, Mr. Larrabee. How should I know? It seems to have occurred in your own house. What if it is? You'd better understand that it isn't healthy for you or anyone else to interfere with my business. Ah, that is your business. Hear that much, at least. Pray be seated, Miss Faulkner. I don't know who you are, Mr. Holmes, or why you are here. I shall be very glad indeed to explain. My business is this. I've been consulted with the possibility of obtaining from you certain letters addressed to your sister, which are supposed to be in your possession. I cannot give up my sister's letters, Mr. Holmes. 
There are other things besides revenge. And it's punishment. Uh, believe me, Miss Faulkner. There is nothing more to say. Good night, Mr. Holmes. But my dear Miss Faulkner... Oh, I'm so sorry. How clumsy of me to turn over this chair. Don't alarm yourself, Miss Faulkner. There is no fire. No fire? The smoke was all uh, arranged for. Arranged for? What does it mean, Mr. Holmes? It means this, Miss Faulkner. It means that I wanted a package of letters, Miss Faulkner, and that by following your eyes just now, when you thought there was a fire, I discovered that you had hidden them in the upholstery of this chair. Mm. Yes. Quite elementary, as you see. And now that they're in my possession, there seems to be no reason for me to remain any longer in this house. Good night, Miss Faulkner. Miss Faulkner. Yes? I... I can't take them, Miss Faulkner. It does belong to you. I find that I cannot keep them. Unless you can possibly change your mind and let me have them of your own free will. <laughs> I suppose you could. I will therefore return them to you and, uh... Oh, there's our friend Mr. Larry there returning from the fire. Oh, you've got Now I suppose they're going to see you walk out of the house with her. On the contrary, you're going to see me return them to their rightful owner. Miss Faulkner, here are your letters. Did you ever change your mind and be so generous, so forgiving as to wish to return these letters to the one who wrote them? You have my address. Any event, rest assured there will be no more cruelty, no more persecution in this house. Thank you, Mr. Holmes. You are perfectly safe with your property, Miss Faulkner. For I shall so arrange it that your faintest cry of distress will be heard. If that cry is heard, it will be very unfortunate for those who are responsible. As for you, Mr. Larrabee, and uh, to you, madame. I think you understand that you continue your persecution of that young lady at your peril. Good night. Miss Faulkner. Come here, Miss Faulkner. Now. Are you going to give me those letters? No, no. Are you going to give me those letters? No. Then, Mr. Shut up. Now, then, Miss Faulkner. Do you give me those letters or do I break your arm? <laughs> What's that? Come and knock on the door. No, it was on that side. Did you call, madam? I think someone knocked, Judson. I'll see, madam. I beg pardon, madam. But there's no one at the door. Very well, you go. You stop it, watch. What we want to do is to leave it alone. Let the Emperor have it. You mean Professor Moriarty? That's who I mean. Once let him get at it, he'll settle it with Holmes pretty quick. Don't you worry a minute. I tell you, Professor Moriarty will get at him before noon tomorrow night. He won't wait long either. And when he strikes, it means death. Eighty-two, three, seventy-one. Yes. 
Let him tell you by that. Yes, Manny. Manny has disappeared. Disappeared. Sherlock Holmes again. Now this latter big job. He's in on that too. And that's where he's made his mistake. Holmes is playing rather a dangerous game, does it? Inspector Wilson tried it seven years ago. Wilson is dead. Two years later, Henderson took it up. He hasn't heard anything of Henderson lately. That's not a thing, sir. We'll see about that. Holmes is rather a talented man. He doesn't realize there isn't a street in London that will be safe but in his eyes to spread his name to Craig. that I may require the gas chamber at Stepney tomorrow night. And have Craig in there for quarter before ten with his crew. Uh, tell Larrabee I shall want him to write a letter to Mr. Sherlock Holmes which I shall be placed. Meet me here at seven. Matic, place your men at nine tonight for Sherlock Holmes' house in Baker Street. Yes. Will you go there yourself, sir? I will still go there myself. At this meeting tomorrow night, sir. Put him in the gas chamber. If I fail to kill him in Baker Street, we'll have him in Swandam Lane. Either way, I have him, Bassett. Two strings to our boat. Two strings, eh, Bassett? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> evening, Holmes and I dined together at Scott's in Piccadilly Circus. After dinner, we went to a concert at Queen's Hall. I can still see him on this particular night of the Moriarty case, well knowing that his life was in peril, sitting beside me in the stalls, wrapped in the most perfect happiness, listening to Salasati play the violin, gently waving his long, thin fingers in time to the music. <laughs> and started with long steps in the direction of the street. Come on, you Watson. Don't break a street. I have an idea that very soon we should be receiving a uh, most interesting visit. From Queen's Hall, we hailed a hansom. And as we came down Baker Street, we could see that the light was burning on the second floor of 221B. We went up the dark, narrow stairs. Mr. Holmes. The boy Billy was waiting for us. Mr. Yeah. Holmes. Mrs. Hudson's compliments, sir. And she wants to know if she can see you. 
Uh, where is Mrs. Hudson? Downstairs in the kitchen, sir. Uh, my compliments, and I don't think she can, where she is. You'll be very sorry, sir. Our regret will be mutual. It was most terrible important, sir. Seeing as she wants to know what's left for breakfast in the morning. Uh, the same. Same as when, sir? Uh, this morning. But she didn't have nothing, sir. You wasn't here. I won't be here tomorrow. Yes, sir. Is that all, sir? Uh, quite so. Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. Oh, Mr. Holmes, here's a letter for you, sir, on the table. Delivered two minutes ago. Hmm. Well, read it, Watson. That's good, sir. I'll put him on dressing uh, Dear sir. Uh, who's the dress his name? Why, uh, James Latterby. And what does James to say this evening? Dear sir. I, uh, hope you won't say that again. <laughs> I have the honor to inform you that Miss Foster has changed her mind regarding the letters, etc., which you wish to obtain, and has decided to dispose of them for a monetary consideration. Mm. If you wish to negotiate, will you be at 9 o'clock at the Guards Monument at the foot of Waterloo Place? You will see a four-wheeler with wooden shutters to the windows. If you have the cab followed or try any other underhand tricks, you won't get what you want. Let me know your decision. Yours truly, James Gallagher. Hmm, mine truly. Well, later, perhaps. What does the fellow mean? The fellow means to tell me a base limitation for a large sum of money, certain letters he does not possess. I shall probably buy them from him. Now, so. Knife of the clock, Dodge Monument, cab with wooden shutter, no one to come with me, no one to follow. Or I don't get what I want. That's right. Ah. But there's uh, a cab with a wooden shutter. Well, merely a little device to keep me from seeing where they're taking me. Billy. Yes, sir. Uh, give this to the man. Uh, woman, sir. Oh, young or old? Look quite young, sir. And a handsome? Four-wheeler, sir. Mm, you seen the driver before? Yes, sir, but I can't think where. Uh, hand this to the lady, apologize for delay, and look at the driver again. Yes, sir. But my dear Holmes, you didn't say you would go. Yes, I certainly did. But this fellow means listen. This fellow means the same. I beg pardon, sir. A message come over from the chemist on the corner to say a man has been hit by a bus. Looks like his legs broke. And we'll just watch him kindly step over and help fill the ambulance. Oh, you better go at once. I'll be back in a minute, though. Uh, Billy. Yes, sir. And who brought that message? Boy from the clinic, sir. Uh, yes, of course. The which boy? Must have been a new one, sir. Oh, I ain't seen him before. Billy. Get down here quickly. Look out for the doctor. The boy's gone. There's a man with him. It means mischief. Let me know. Don't stop the clock. Ring the doorbell. I'll hear it. Ring it loud. Yes, sir. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You'll be taken from here to the hospital if you keep your hand behind you like that. Oh, that's better. 
That's it. Please put your revolver on the table. You evidently don't know me. I think it's quite evident that I do. I say I have a chair, Professor. I can spare you five minutes. Let's go there to say. Hey, careful. What are you about to do, Professor Moriarty? Look at Maybach. I'll tell you when your five minutes is up. Is your intention to pursue this case against me? Uh, that is my intention. To the very end. I regret this. I fear your regret, Professor. But you think that I would be here if I hadn't made the street quite safe in every respect? I could never so grossly overestimate your courage as that, Professor Moriarty. You imagine that your friend the doctor and your boy Jerry will soon return? What? So, this leaves us quite alone, doesn't it, sir? Quite alone. So that we can talk the matter over quietly, Mr. Holmes, and not be disturbed. In the first place, I wish to call your attention to a few memoranda which I dotted down, and which you will find. Uh, so, there they are. Look out! Don't do that! Hands down quickly! Your father away from that memorandum book you're talking about. I will. Really, I will take out more notebook. Well, merely don't do it. I don't want it. I've got one of my own. If you want it, we'll have someone get it for you. I always like to save my guests unnecessary trouble. I observe that your boy doesn't answer the bell. Mm, no, but I have an idea that he will for us. It may possibly be longer than you think, Mr. Holmes. What? That boy? Yes, that boy. Yeah, I think we'll try the bell once more, Professor. Doesn't it occur to you that he may possibly have been detained, Mr. Holmes? It does, Professor. Uh, but it also occurs to me that you are in very much the same predicament, Professor Moriarty. I beg pardon, sir. Someone tried to hold me, sir. Yeah, it's quite evident, however, that he failed to do so. Yes, sir. He's got my coat, sir, but he ain't got me. Still it. Yes, sir. The gentleman I'm carefully pointing out to you with his 45 desires to have us gather something of his left hand inside coat pocket. He's not feeling quite himself today, and the consequence of his trying to do it himself might prove fatal. I suggest you attend to it for him. Yes, sir. Is this it, sir? This gun? Uh, quite so. I'll put it on the table. Uh, not there, Billy. On this table. I can reach it. Oh, thank you. That's all, Billy. Then what's this? He's got another, sir? Why, Billy, you surprised me. Mr. Grant taken the trouble to inform us he hasn't. When, sir? When he made a snatch for this one. And now, Professor, now that we have your little memorandum book, you think of anything else you'd like before Billy goes? Any little thing you've got that you don't want? <laughs> so sorry. Go on, Billy. Thank you, sir. Listen, Holmes, to me. On the 4th of January, you crossed my path. On the 23rd, you incommoded me. Now, at the close of April, I find myself placed in such a position through your continual interference that I'm in positive danger of losing my liberty. Hmm. Have you any suggestions to make? No, I have no suggestions to make. I have a fact to state. If you don't drop it at once, your life's not worth death. I'm afraid, Professor, that in the pleasure of this conversation, I'm neglecting more important business. You excuse me a moment while I get my pipe off the lamp, please, sir. I came here this evening, Mr. Holmes, 
The sea of peace could not be arranged in mm, Quite so, quite so. You've seen fit not only to reject my proposal, but to make insulting references coupled with threats to the rest. You've been warned of your danger. You don't heed that warning. Perhaps you'll heed this. Put your hands, Mr. Holmes. That's Mr. Can you imagine I leave that gun loaded? Did you press the boy out here? Here are your cartridges. Well, I didn't suppose you'd want to use that gun again, so I took them out while you were talking, put them in my pocket. You'll find them all there, Professor. Billy. Yes, sir. You please show Professor Moyarty the door. Yes, sir. This way, sir. Don't ever say I didn't warn you, Mr. Holmes. Uh, no, no, Mr. Moyarty. No. I never will. Billy, come here. Yes, sir. Billy? Billy, you're a good boy. Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. System presentation of Orson Welles and the Mercury Theatre on the Air in Sherlock Holmes, with Orson Welles in the title role and Ray Collins as Dr. Watson. We pause a moment for station identification. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System. with the CBS presentation of Sherlock Holmes, played by Orson Welles and the Mercury Theatre on the Air. It was exactly nine o'clock when Sherlock Holmes left the house in Baker Street. He had given the strictest instructions that no one was to follow him. If there had been no word from him by noon of the following day, he must notify Scotland Yard. I went to the window and looked out as he went down Baker Street. A tall, thin figure in a grey ulster, walking with long, smooth steps in the direction of Langham Place. There he entered a cab. Yeah, that's... 
Well, he was trying to drop himself out of the window. 
Ed Colvin, the cracksman. Colvin, Colvin, never heard of him before. Well, you certainly never heard of him after. Sure, that. Great counterfeit has used these luxurious chambers since 89. Well, why are they in that cupboard? We pull him out of the heel. Quite interesting. The times have changed since then. Uh, so they have, Mr. Larrabee, so they have. But then it was only cracksmen, counterfeiters, pickpockets, and petty swindlers, various kinds. But now... Well, what now? Well, between you and me, Mr. Larrabee, we've heard some not altogether agreeable rumors. Rumors of some pretty shady work not far from here. Murder to a very peculiar kind. I've always had a suspicion. That's it. My surmise was correct. It is. This is what? This room is caught sealed. That was that thing that might go up. Nothing to us, Mr. Larrabee. Nothing to us. But it might signify a good deal to some poor devil who's been caught and gassed in this trap. Well, if it's nothing to us, suppose we leave it alone and get the business. My time is limited. Yeah, of course. I should have realized that these reflections could not possibly appeal to you. Well, that is the door, Mr. Holmes. Oh, thanks. Oh, good cigar, this, Mr. Larrabee. Genuine Havana. Glad you like it. Now, here is the little packet of letters which is the object of this meeting. I haven't opened it yet, but Miss Faulkner tells me everything is there. I suppose, Mr. Larrabee, that if Miss Faulkner knows nothing about this affair, we omit her name from the discussion. What do you mean? Who told you she doesn't know? You did. Every look, tone, gesture, everything you've said and done since I've been in this room has informed me that Miss Faulkner has never consented to this transaction. It is a little speculation of your own. Oh, I suppose you think you can read me like a book. Oh, no, no, like a simmer. Well, let it pass. How much will you give? Uh, a thousand pounds. I couldn't take it. Uh, what do you ask? Five pounds. I couldn't give it. Why aren't you offered 4000 for this little Why didn't you take it? Because I intended to get more. Oh, that's too bad. They offered 4000 They'll give five. They won't give anything. Why not? They've turned the case over to me. Oh. Maybe just 3000 Mr. Larrabee, strange as it may appear, my time is limited as well as yours. I have brought with me the sum of £1,000, which is all that I wish to pay. If it's your desire to sell at this figure, kindly surprise me of the fact at once. If not, permit me to wish you a very good evening. Well, we can have it. Too small a matter to haggle over. Give me the money. Yes, certainly. Ah. I thought you said you'd only brought just a thousand. I did. This is it. You brought a trifle more, I think. Uh, quite so. I didn't say I hadn't brought any more. Well, you can be a little sick when it comes to it, can't you? Yeah, it depends on who I'm dealing with. Yeah. You give me that money. Come on, quick. Hand it over. Now. I've got you where I want you, James Larrabee. You've been so cunning and so cautious and so wise, we couldn't find a thing to hold you for, but this little slip will get you in for robbery. Uh, you're helping in, will you? What are your views about being able to get away from here yourself? I do not anticipate any particular difficulty. Uh, robbery, eh? Why, even if you got away from here, you haven't got a witness. You haven't got a witness for your name. I'm not so sure of that, Mr. Larrabee. Not so sure of that. You usually fasten this covered door with a knife. Come on, Crystal! Faulkner! Stand back. Oh. Temple. Temple, what does this mean? I'll tell you what it means. Captain Smith. I'm afraid you're bad to hurt this, Faulkner. Get the whole I'll have to ask you gentlemen to wait just one moment, please. Here, there. What's the idea of sitting down and writing? What are you writing? Writing your will, I suppose. No, no, only uh, a brief description of one or two of your gentlemen. The police. Wait a bit. You better listen to me, Mr. Holmes. We're going to tie you down nice and tight to the top of that table. Why, you surprised me, gentlemen. Thinking you're so sure of anybody in this room. 
And three bars gone out of that window. Bars on no bars. You're not going to get out of here as easy as you expect. There are so many ways, Mr. Larrabee, that I hardly know which one to choose. Hey, you better choose quick, I can tell you that. I'll choose at once, Mr. Cregan. And my choice falls on this chair. Oh, my God. Well, I get away the by the window. I'm leaving by the door. Uh, by the... Oh. I had a busy morning at my office in Harley Street. It was after 11 before the last of my appointments was over. And still no news of home. <laughs> oh, Parsons. Is there anyone waiting? I have to be in Baker Street at noon. There's one person in the waiting room, Doctor. A lady there, and she wants to see you most particular. Hey, what about? She said, in Baker Street, she said, it was the most important to her. you will see her. Oh, very well, out here and call a cab for me at the same time and have it wait. Show the lady in. Yes, sir. Uh, this way, ma'am. This way. Ah, Doctor, it's awfully good of you to see me. I'm the best of speaking. Excuse me, I didn't bring my card, Kate. Well, if I did, I'd lost it. Don't trouble about a card, Mrs. Mm-hmm. They said you were Mr. Holmes' friend. Several people told me that for several. They'd like to ask you where I could find him today, this morning. And everything depends on it, Doctor. Everything. I'd go to Mr. Holmes at once. But I've been. I've been. He wasn't there. You went to Mr. Holmes' house? Yes, in Baker Street. That's why I came to you. They said he might be here. No, he isn't here. But don't you expect him this morning? No, there's no possibility of Mr. Holmes coming, as far as I know. But couldn't you get him to Come. It will be such a great favor to me. I'm almost worn out with going about you with this dreadful anxiety. If you could get word to Mr. Holmes to come. I could not get him to come, madam, and I beg you to excuse me. I'm going out myself on urgent business. I have no idea where Mr. Holmes is. I... Probably nothing more than a broken down handsome. Don't allow anybody to come in. I have no more time. But they're coming in, Doctor. The can't see anybody. All right, help him in, Bart. Oh, Doctor, he's frightful. Can I hear from you? No, whatever, no, whatever. He's a poor fellow. Oh, my leg, my leg. Oh, right this way, sir. Be careful of the street, huh? Oh, the accident. The accident. Oh. He can't help the accident. Oh, you can't. That's plain enough. He was on the wrong side of the street, he was. And now over to the street. No, no, no. I'm sitting here. No, no, no. This is the chair, sir. Uh, don't you suppose I know where I want to sit down? You sit down here. That isn't the doctor. Uh, the doctor will ever look at you. He is the doctor. Uh, that isn't the doctor. Yes, it is a doctor. He is a doctor. Oh. Well, just come and have a look at this old bloke, will you? He's there himself, little thing. Uh, uh, are you a cabman? Yes, I'm the cabman. Well, I'll have you arrested for this. Arrested? Arrested, arrested, arrested. You can't arrest me. No, I can't, but somebody else can. Where's my hat? Where's my hat? My hat! My hat! Never mind your hat. I will mind my hat. I'll hold you responsible. Yes, you're at your hat. Go on, sit down. That isn't my hat. Yeah, you're responsible. I'll have you arrested. Yeah, come back. I'll go and stick around here. You know, I've got to go and attend the door. Bring your horse in here. I want to speak to him. I'm going to say I won't stay in this place. If I ever get out of here alive, 
Now, what are you staring at me for, Eddie? Oh, tell that chap to wait for me. I must oh. see this badly hurt. Uh, yes, sir. Now, my friend, if you'll sit quiet for one moment, I'll have a look at you. Well, stay still, will you? Well, how can I... Remarkable, remarkable weather we're having. Hey, Doctor? Holmes. What on earth? How about having you remove some of this ridiculous disguise, Watson? Holmes. Is that you? Uh, quite so, my dear fellow, quite so. Holmes. Watson. Watson. Only get out that window. Look out the blind. What do you want me to do? Nothing. Well, you've been done by Mrs. Larrabee here. Look out, Holmes. Did you get out that way? I don't think so, Watson. Foreman. I got it, sir. Good work, Foreman. I'll take the lady in charge. Yes, sir. Very good, Foreman. Wait for me outside. Yes, sir. Oh, Watson, my dear fellow, I regret to say that up to the present time, Professor Moriarty himself has not risen to the base. Where do you think he is? In the open streets, under some clever disguise. Watching for a chance to get it. And this woman said in here... Right, so, that's so. A spy. To let them know by some signal. If she found me in the house, now they know. Pull down that blind, Watson. I don't care to be shot at from the street. I imagine we shall hear from Professor Moriarty very soon, now. He's thrown. He's thrown. What did I tell you? He's come, sir. From where? The house across the street. He was in there watching these windows. He must have seen something, for he's just come out. There was a cab waiting in front of this house, sir. And he's climbed up and changed places with the driver. Get out again quick, Billy, and keep your eye on him. Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. Watson, you let me have a rather heavy portmanteau for a few moments, sir. I won't do it any harm. Parsons, my large lads still over there in the corner. Bring it here, please. Here you are, sir. Here's a portmanteau. Thank you, Parsons. Put it down there. Mm, thanks so much. Uh, Parsons, you wanted a cab to the doctor a short time ago. It's been waiting, I believe. Yes, sir, I think it has, sir. Be so good as to tell the driver to come in here and get a release. He comes, tell him that's the one. Very good, sir. My dear Watson, times like these you should tell your man never to take the first cab that comes on call, nor yet the second. The third may be safe. But Holmes, I... Oh, I... I want to take him down... Uh, oh, my God. We have that, boy. Uh, all right. Uh, goodbye, Watson. Bye, Watson, old fellow. Uh, wait a minute, driver. Pretty heavy, I'm afraid. Let me help you. Uh, the Watson. I'll write you from Budapest. Yes, yes. Uh, here, driver. Let me... Tack up these straps a bit. Anyway, I'll let I'll hold it, driver. You you pull the strap. Two little things, Miss Bag, that I wouldn't like to lose. And it's just as well to make quite sure. Is it not, Professor Moriarty? By means of a simple pair of handcuffs. You imagine, Sherlock Holmes, that this is the end? I ventured to dream that it might be. You're quite sure the police will be able to hold me. Professor Moriarty, I'm quite sure of nothing. Take him away, Foreman. And so, my dear Watson, ends the strange case of Miss Alice Faulkner. Well, what about the letters? Oh, the letters. They were returned to their rightful owner over an hour ago. I suspected from the start that Miss Faulkner was really a nice girl, huh? Uh, yeah. What is it all? I'm just reflecting, my dear Watson. With Moriarty out of the way, London, from the point of view of the criminal expert, life has become a singularly uninteresting city. 
One's morning paper, veritable wilderness of boredom. Mr. Holmes, Mr. Holmes. Yes, sir? It's a lady, sir. Been waiting for an hour. Says he's got to see you, sir. Case of murder, she says. She's got a pink face. From which I deduce that she is a lady of over 41 and less than 45. Of a strange, dark beauty and considerable social eminence. And she has lived for some years in the Near East. That she is now wearing a large blood ruby on the second finger of her left hand. Holmes. How do you know these things? It's amazing. Huh. Elementary, my dear Watson. Elementary. The child's play of deduction. Again tonight, the Columbia Broadcasting System, through its affiliated stations, coast to coast, has brought you Orson Welles and the Mercury Theater on the Air. The 12th production in this unique series featuring Broadway's and radio's most celebrated theatrical producing company. This evening, the play was Orson Welles' own adaptation of William Gillette's Sherlock Holmes. In the cast, Dr. Watson, played by Ray Collins, Alice Faulkner by Mary Taylor, Madge Larrabee by Brenda Forbes, James Larrabee by Edgar Barrier, Inspector Foreman by Morgan Farley, Cragen by Richard Wilson, Brassic by Alfred Shirley, Larry by William Allen, Billy by Arthur Anderson, Professor Moriarty by Eustace Wyatt, and Sherlock Holmes by Orson Welles. The orchestra was conducted by Bernard Herman, and the production was supervised for CBS by Davidson Taylor. Your announcer is Frank Gallup. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.